Uh, yeah, tell me, one tell aha me moment is definitely surrounding yourself with the right people. Okay. So we have, for instance, like the Caspers, who are the, the admin people for Training Group. Because Training Group sponsored the match. They're so fantastic. Anything we haven't thought of, they're, hey, did you think about making sure that we have whatever, the you know, fill in the blank? Oh, that, that's right. And so really, like I said, Ben and I couldn't do this on our own. So surrounding ourselves with the right people, very competent people. Mm -hmm. uh, Tom Drazy is great for having as our range master, just having him look at the stages, what you see. Hey, this is Brian with Hunter's HD Gold. This episode of Hunter's HD Gold Behind the Lens is brought to you by Kana Gold. Kana Gold is a premier lifestyle brand for those who work hard and play harder. Grab your Kana Gold from the Hunter's HD Gold Magical Mystery Tour or from KanaGoldHemp.com. When ordering, use Hunter's HD for another 20% off. I travel all over the United States sponsoring matches, meeting shooters, organizers, and match directors. I'm ready to start asking those tough questions everyone wants to know the answers to. So sit back and enjoy this episode of Hunter's HD Gold Behind the Lens. Welcome back to another episode of Hunter's HD Go Behind the Lens. I am sitting today with a individual that a lot of you may know and understand, and some of you may not know and not understand, and that is Mr. Joel Park. How are you doing, sir? Good. Thank you for having me. <laughs> I hope you don't mind the introduction, but that's no, how I felt about very you. Very kind. I've never sat down with you before, so this is a first time we've actually ever met um, officially and mm -hmm. sat down and talked. So, um Tell me who you are. What, what got you into shooting? What, what, you know, we, we'll get into what you're doing now later, but what's, what's, where did all this begin, you know? Well, kind of the short story, I guess. Uh, I've kind of always, my dad was a farm kid uh, from Kansas, so I kind of, anytime we'd go to see family, we'd always uh, take guns and go shoot, you know, in a field at pop cans, down in the draw, that kind of thing. Right. And uh, so I always had, always grew up around guns, shooting guns. And uh, I was actually at a local indoor range with my dad shooting uh, 22s when I was maybe... I don't know, 16, 17, 18, somewhere in there. And they were doing uh, on one side of the on one bay. I was just doing my target shooting on the other side. I heard a bunch of rapid fire. So I'm like, oh, let me check that out. Right. I stick my head around there and I see these dudes running around inside with handguns, like squirting bullets all over the place. I'm like, oh, this looks awesome. Like, So I go over to the counter. I'm like, what are they doing in there? And they told me, oh, they're doing this. It was it was outlaw, but it was USPSA right. matches. This is like, in Kansas? Uh, no, this is in Omaha, Nebraska, okay, where I live now. Yep. I'm sorry, I just missed that. No, no, you're fine. Um, so... I saw that. I'm like, yeah, I want to do that. That looks awesome. What do I need? Can I use my 22? Well, no, you have to have a nine millimeter. Okay. Like, dad, I need, I need nine millimeter now, obviously. Right. And so, yep, went out and bought a handgun and uh, the local guys helped me out, got me some, you know, training as far as what to do in the safe rules. And uh, after that, I'll be like, I shot one match and I was all in. I'm like, oh, this is awesome. At 18? I love this. Yeah. 18, something like that. 17, somewhere. Wow. There. So your dad had to go buy you the gun. Did dad you, went and did bought you, me the did gun. Did you pick it out or did he pick it out? I picked it out. What'd you pick out for your first gun? <laughs> it was not optimal, but I thought it was cool at the time. It was a Ruger P95. Oh, wow. And it was, I, you know, I worked at, I worked my first job. I worked at Target. And okay. it was like, it was $300. I still remember the price. Right. And so I saved up. I got that. It was 300 bucks, And I had a, a Phobos holster and some Phobos magazine pouches. Mm -hmm. So I was ready to shred. I, I used to be a front-end manager at Target. I, oh, okay. I, I wore the khakis in red myself. <laughs> so that's awesome to know that. Um, so when you... Did you did your dad take you to these matches mm -hmm. when you started doing that? What did that look like? So did was how how did he feel about it? Oh, he was all for it. My like I said, my dad was a farm kid, so he never did anything competitive. Right, but he was all for shooting, and so well, it, and that let me interrupt because that brings up a valid point. You did you do competitive stuff in high school? Uh, no, nothing really. I, I've tried all the sports, but I wasn't really super athletic, so it was something fun to do, but it wasn't really anything I wanted to. Okay, so when, you, when and the reason I ask that question is because you've heard me lead people in this way to before. Did competition scare you? Not at all. Huh. Uh, I, I, I guess because that's that's a that's an interesting trait that you have. Continue. Yeah, no, I, I just saw the shooting. I'm like, man, this is really awesome. The shooting part, and I'm like, well, we'll just see what happens. And so I didn't really start it as a trying to win at the beginning. It was just I thought it looked really fun. And then as I was going to matches, I was meeting people. Oh, these guys are really cool. They're really welcoming, mm -hmm. and you know, come friends with my dad and. uh so it was, just, it was just a good time. It was something fun to do. So, did your dad ever shoot with you in, in the in the outlaw matches? No, never shoot USPSA. He still hasn't to this day. He's right. very accurate. If you give him a gun, and you put a, a you know an eight inch plate out at twenty five yards, he'll hit it one for one. Right. But nothing as far as speed shooting goes. So, there was there always guns in the family growing up and stuff. Absolutely. Like that oh, that's cool. That's really cool. Was the was was it 
was it based on just being in the farm or was the second amendment big or do you remember anything about that at 18? Um, well, I guess one thing I, I've listened to your podcast, obviously you always talk about right. your second amendment question. Yeah. Uh, I guess the first time it kind of, uh, I really hit me was when I, I was buying my first, I wanted to buy an AR 15 then because they did three gun matches locally. Right. And that was during, I'm not sure if you're familiar, they did an assault weapons ban for 10 years. I remember, remember that. Yeah. So you couldn't yeah. have magazines that held more than 10 rounds. Right. I uh, wanted AR 15s that looked cool, obviously. Right. But you couldn't have a collapsible stock. You couldn't have the flash hider. I think it was a bayonet lug. It was a couple of things that didn't really matter, mm -hmm. but I wanted the collapsible stock. I'm like, man, that looks cool. Right. And I couldn't have that. So I'm like, oh, what's going on? And then they're like, my friends are, you know, I'm kind of researching. I'm getting information. It's like, well, you know, at some point, these might not even be allowed at all. Right. Like, oh, okay. And so that was when it kind of, like, the thing started to click for me that I started to understand. Now, using the word cool, did you play video games with the guns or anything? Absolutely. Oh, okay. Well, that there's the, because my, my son's 19 and he'll see me bring home a, a, one of these custom guns that I'd travel around with to clean it and something like that. And he'll go, oh, that's the, that gun's in this game. And I'm like going, well, cool. Show me because I don't play video games and he, he'll pull something up and show me all these different guns that I've got. They're actually used in video games. So when you use the word cool, that's what made me go to that reference of my son and hearing you say it as well. That's kind of cool. So when you Got your AR uh -huh. and everything else. Did you think about doing any um, rifle games as well? I never did anything rifle uh, games. I like the idea of long range shooting. Okay. Um, and so I did that a bit with bolt actions and I got into that and shooting. Uh, my local range goes out to 600 yards. Oh. So that was really, wow. I thought that was another really fun challenge. So That's I never a got huge challenge. super serious in any one discipline. I just liked basically any type of shooting. I wanted to do it. So mm -hmm. if we're doing with my dad, 22 target shooting, we're picking out some little. You know, some little rock or some little bottle cap that's out on this berm, and let's see who can hit that first. Or mm -hmm. USPSA, you know, running around with a centerfire handgun, shooting targets fast, or shooting, you know, a, a target far away, some little small whatever we found or a, a target, whatever. Mm -hmm. So no, it was just always, always fun, always shooting guns. Did you? You didn't really? Did you ever get into con, like PRS or anything competition-wise with that? Never have. So you've Never. only done USPSA as a competitor. Correct. Well, this was. You said you were eighteen. Mm -hmm. How old are you now? Um, 37. 37, okay. So you, how long did you just shoot outlaw matches before you really found out that there's an actual true United States Practical Shooting Association? What did that look like? It was maybe six months into that. And okay. I would go, it was a weekly outlaw match at this indoor range. It was just one stage, one mm -hmm. bay. And uh, a couple of the guys were saying, hey, if you really like this, you should come shoot at this outdoor range, which is still the range I shoot at to the State Eastern Nebraska Gun Club. All right. I'm like, oh, okay. Like, I don't know. Okay, I'll go check it out. And at that point, I was already like dry firing every day, so I could. It wasn't no, 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 back up. What, what you were dry firing every day before you even knew about the dry fire. Or how'd you find out about dry fire? Well, dry fire back then it wasn't like we do now. Okay, I, I, I didn't I know would, that's where I was like going. What? I should have explained better. No, I would. <laughs> I could you know get the gun out of the holster within maybe a second and a half or two seconds very safely. Okay. And I would dry fire press my first shot without moving the sight. Right. It's stuff that really isn't that great now. But right. I was very safe. I understand it all the all okay. the operating, the mechanics of my gun. I could handle it on my own. If I had a malfunction, I wouldn't need assistance to clear it. So based on the safety course that you took at the indoor range, mm -hmm. that kind of introduction to, you know, outlaw matches, we'll call it for now. And then you realize when you got home, you needed to work on a draw. So you kind of took that upon yourself to do that. Yes. That's cool. Very cool. How long, um, you know, you started right into that, you know, when you, what was it like when you went to your first USPSA match? What was that like? It was fun because I was, I was very comfortable. My, I originally came from kind of the turtle side is what we'd call it, where I could hit anything pretty much. It might not be fast, but any target I could hit. And I went to the first match and I remember there's a couple partial targets and there were maybe 15 or 20 yards. And some of the people were having problems hitting it. And uh, I wasn't the fastest, but I, I went through and I just hit everything. It was no problem. And the local guys from the indoor club knew who I was. But the guys that just shot at that outdoor club weren't familiar. They were, I remember them asking my friend, like, who is that kid? Like, what is he doing? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, was very, I could be very competent about handling my gun. I could hit everything I wanted to hit. And then when I saw the, the wide variety of stages all the way out to the 180, where, you know, in, a one, in an indoor range, you're just shooting down that lane. Right. And if you're outside, you've got such targets all over the place, steel mm -hmm. targets. So. Well, cool. It was, a, it was an outstanding experience. And then I was absolutely hooked at that point. Okay. I was like, yep, this is it. I want to do more of this. So when you went to your first um, true USPSA match, did you... What was the biggest thing you noticed differently? Would you, did you see jerseys? Was that the big no difference? What was the big difference you saw from an outlaw match to the USPSA matches you started going to at 19, 
years old, we'll say. Uh, basically, the variety of targets and steel targets and so much more stuff that in a you know in an indoor shooting range is pretty limited for what limited. you can do. Okay, so just more targets to shoot. So at more then. targets, more stages. Because okay. before I'd only shot a one stage match. Right, and so I guess your dad was still taking you mm -hmm. to these matches. Well, up until I guess you were twenty one. Correct. Good deal. Was there? Did you meet any friends before you turned twenty one? that were shooting as well before that you would ride with the go shooting or was your dad always having to be there with you no i uh my friend mark we're still friends to this day right um no he was really good it just became really good friends and so he would always take me to the range so cool. then my parents didn't have to go all the time i would actually go to his place and then he would you know we'd ride out together and, and the reason i ask that question is i'm around a lot of different shooting disciplines and i, I see parents that are that are true sponsors <laughs> sure of, of their kids and they're, they're driving them everywhere and they, they made it a um a new lifestyle for their entire family they don't need their vacations become the shooting events that's why i asked that question when's the first time you said okay i've done matches here uh, i like this i'm gonna travel i'm gonna go to another area with new people and go to a match what did that look like uh, well, again, at that point, I've probably been shooting, you know, every month we have a club match. I'm always shooting those. And the guys, are, hey, there's this area match in this location. You should go to that. I'm like, oh, maybe we'll see. Your first and then, major match was an area match? Yes. Oh, tell me more. Yeah. And so I'm like, oh, we'll see. And then uh, it turned out like the next year, it was actually in Kansas City. Okay. It was, uh, they used to have them at uh, Mill Creek. Okay. I've been there. Area yep. three was there. And so... Yeah, I remember going. I'm like, oh, this is cool. And I'm like, what do I need to expect? Like, oh, I have to get a hotel. I'm going to stay overnight. And like, you know, this is this is different. <laughs> Were you 21 yet? So uh, I think at this point, yes, I would have been. Okay, because I had different rules for getting a hotel. Yes. That's what tricked that, that's what triggered yes. that question. So. Yep. Nice. So, yeah, it was another, uh, another friend and his dad that I would go with. So Right. Yeah, so it was really fun. And then I look at like, oh, what's going on here? And there's even more stages and there's more variety and all these people. Yeah, this so is before, was, and this is area three before the Sherwin Circus. I, yes, this was definitely not a Sherwin Circus. I don't know who the area director would have been back then. I don't know either, um, because I don't know my history that far back with area directors, but um, we could find out, I'm sure. So you went to your first area match. Did you realize, or let me back, let me ask the question differently. When did you realize you wanted to do training? Well, did, I, what did that look like? I shot for about, I, I, honestly, a full 10 years of being in B class. Oh, uh, I didn't, uh, being honest with you, I didn't understand how to practice. Okay. So I, I could hit absolutely anything. And looking back at my old videos, there'd be a plate rack at 15 yards mm -hmm. and I could go up and be basically one for one on everything, mm -hmm. but nothing was ever fast. I didn't really understand like terms we use now, like predictive and reactive shooting, mm -hmm. but I was very safe. I was very competent and I was pretty lethal in B class because I wouldn't really make mistakes. Right. So I could roll through, not make mistakes and hit everything, but I wasn't getting any better. Okay. So I kind of, I took a couple years off and kind of. At that time, I was good enough. I would shoot my local section match mm -hmm. uh, once a year. I would just turn up and win B class, usually, mm -hmm. which like maybe the overall, depending on who shows up. Right. And, uh, and then I'd just go home and maybe I'd shoot an occasional club match. You, you said you took two years off. What, do you, what, do you, what did you do during the years you were shooting? What did you work then? Or shooting rifles. I, always shooting guns. Right. But I, I got hooked in the long range stuff. So again, oh, nothing okay. competitively. Oh, okay. But it was just fun. I had you know high power scopes. I'm loading 308 and 223 ammunition. Okay. So you didn't step away for a job or anything. You stepped away to do what? Okay. That makes sense. And I was, and also I was working retail at the time. So oh, your retail background completely? Yep. From, I worked at, it was Shields All Sports. Uh, okay. So it's, it's like a Cabela's for yes. people that wouldn't be familiar. Yeah, I've heard that before. I that, worked this. there for six years. So that cut into my shooting schedule a bit also because I'd work like every other weekend. Did you work in the in the farms department? I did. I managed shotguns and optics there. So they're, nice. they're very good to me. So shotguns, mm -hmm. did you do that ever? I shot clay pigeons also, yeah. Trap and skeet. Right. They're ever competitively? or Nothing just, competitive. Just, just to go out and get, yeah, see if get, I could beat my friends basically. Nice. Get the golf cart and go hit 18 <laughs> rounds. <laughs> yes. Just like golf. Nice. So... You know, before we jump into, you know, where it got you the next, I want to, you know, you are the assistant match director. So we're going to turn your gears a little bit for the match we're at right now at the Wisconsin, you know, section championship. Mm -hmm. Is this the first time you've been involved in match director before? Uh, I've helped with our local section match quite a bit, never as a match director, but mm -hmm. I'll help out with stage design. Uh, I can do the uh, coordinate with the vendors as far as the prize table. Right. Um you know, like whatever needs to get done, I'll help us set up that kind of stuff. Right. But never actually as a match director. Was this your idea or Ben's idea? This was Ben's idea. Okay. Now, I didn't ask Ben that question the other day. That's why I was just curious. His yeah. idea was to say, I'm going to do, you know, a section match. So that's cool. Um, let's talk about the match for a second. Mm -hmm. um, there are some things that are being done differently here 
And one of them that I really want to get into a little bit, because I think it's very important, and, and actually Sherwin actually told me that he was very excited to see how this works, was how they do pasting and resetting. Mm-hmm. So tell me where the, where all these ideas came from, how you decided to implement it, and what you've seen so far as the results to mm-hmm. you know, everybody. What's that look like? Well, change is always, you know, people are like, oh, I don't know about change. They have their own rituals, their own habits. Mm-hmm. Uh People are good about trying it, which we asked them to give an honest effort. Okay. And so far, we just got done with lunch to kind of date this a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I've had nobody really complain. There's a couple people that they kind of have their routine. They're used to, you know, kind of I, I, I like cleaning my mags immediately afterwards or refilling my mags uh, immediately yes. after yep. I shoot. Exactly. Like, I understand that. If that's going to that's going to disrupt your match. Right. Uh, but for the most part, people like it because then also they can wander around and see what everyone else is doing. So did that person buck the system or actually try to participate and do it that way? Did he change? I think he might have continued doing his own way, which is okay. okay. I wasn't it, just I, I was just curious. If yeah, he actually. Uh, that I, okay. Continue. I'm sorry. No, no, no. You're fine. I wouldn't yeah. want to upset anybody's match. OK, so what, what what's the process look like? To tell everybody what what how what is everybody doing differently compared to what we would normally see at any USPSA match? Sure. Well, the thing I don't like, uh, and not to talk too crazy, I guess, if you look at like some classifiers, even at nationals, mm-hmm. there'll be maybe three targets. You shoot some strong hands, some weekend freestyle, whatever, and then there's literally three targets down there with maybe you know anywhere from four to six hits on each, and the whole squad walks down. Yep. You've got three targets and five people standing there, mm-hmm. and then they wait, and as soon as they get the 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 target, the, the targets, excuse me, uh, scored. Then everyone stands there and paces. Everybody walks back. I remember at nationals one year, I walked down just to paste your gun. I'm like, guys, I got this. And we're waiting. You know, the the RO is getting ready to patch the target, or I'm sorry, getting ready to call the scores. And as soon as he's called the score, I'm like, chick, 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 with a paster gun, got that one clean, ready for the next one. And still, he turned around, like, guys, we need more help down here. It's like, man, I, I got, I got this. Like, I can get it. I can get this target restored as soon as you, as soon as you, you know, call the hits. And right. Some people don't. They weren't necessarily a very big fan of our squad for doing that. All right. So that's what gave you the idea. So that's what up. gave us the idea. Okay. So I'm in front of stage six, mm-hmm. which has been a very interesting stage. I went live earlier on stage yeah. six. People were all over, all about it. Um, the new procedures you're having people do is actually in the stage briefing. Mm-hmm. So was this a joint effort based on what you noticed at nationals or did something Ben noticed traveling the world? You know, what did that, where did this all come from? This is something Ben's seen, I believe overseas. And yes, just as he's traveled the world, honestly, shooting matches. And we've talked about it before. And I really liked the idea. And then when we talked about Ben, Hey, I want to do this, this match director thing. You want to be the co-match director where I'm like, yeah, okay. sounds awesome. Like I'm in. And so then we kind of started a list of things that we don't, Honestly, things we don't like. Well, tell me what that list looks like, if you don't mind. No, in a positive way, because I want to hear change. Sure. I don't want. Don't we? Don't want. I don't want to hear negative. No, no. Everybody's got their own perspective of negative. But what were the changes you wanted to bring to it? that Y'all felt was a positive. Um, So, like I said, the resetting thing. This way, we have a system to to briefly explain. So, when you get done shooting, Mm -hmm. you will restore the targets for two to four shooters, Mm -hmm. depending on the complexity of the stage and what's required. After that, you're completely free to. If you want to go rest in the shade, you want to come over like. Hang out at your hang out at your area. Check out glasses. You want to go look at the next stage next door. That looks really complicated. It has an activator sequence. Totally fine to do that. You just you need to be ready when it's your turn to shoot the next stage. Well, speaking of that, because being across from stage six, I've had as a vendor mm-hmm. that was a very nice byproduct. Yeah, of what happened because um, I probably have more demos out at this section match than I have in a long time based on people who actually, like you said, they, at the stage you're at, they only do it two times. Mm-hmm. They reset twice mm-hmm. and then they're, they're gone. And there's, there's 14 shooters there. They've got a break that can be anywhere from 10 to 25 minutes. Mm-hmm. And that's plenty of time to walk around the, the area where I'm at or anybody the, look, go look at the next stage, mm-hmm. get, get your stage plan down at the next stage, you know, and, and do a lot of things. So from a vendor perspective, thank you. Because that was huge for me to see on that positive, how that works. So um, I hope you find a way to um, get this process in an email form Mm -hmm. and copy all the area directors on it. Because I think they need to read it and see it. And hopefully some things can, you know, work in other areas to get that done. Because I've talked to some shooters um, I've talked to some grandmaster shooters. I've talked to 
shooters that weren't not grandmasters. I don't really know what the classification were, but sure. I, I recognize the grandmasters, and they're all pretty receptive of it. You know, I've, I've looked up, and I, I saw one person at one time, and who shoots PCC, and he walked over, didn't have his belt on or anything. And, and usually, when I see nobody with their belt on, he's like, "Uh oh, what happened?" I'm like, and, and I, I looked at him, I put my hand up, I'm like, "Dude," he goes, and he goes, "What?" I said. Never mind. I just remember what's happening because when you see somebody walk up without a belt, it's usually not going to be a very comfortable conversation yes. for the next 10 minutes. And that's okay. I've had plenty of those conversations. Sure. For, that happened before with, with shooters. But he was like, oh, no, I'm just, I'm just walking around, just, you know, getting my head straight and everything else off a stage that I wasn't very happy with and getting ready for the next. I was like, oh, that was very, you know, um, like aha moment for me mm -hmm. as well because this person already knew about hunters hd go we're just taking a break and actually came and you know just relaxed for a second and that, that was cool so get that information out there i challenge you to do that um and if you would like to use me as a source as well i'll, awesome. I'll be glad to get some stuff out there because i've seen it firsthand and unless you and ben are going to go around start doing all these matches you know back back it's not it's going to take a lot to get changed because like you said for for um or Somebody said, maybe, um, Ben, for 40 years, it's always been the same way. Sure. And it's not easy to make change. But when you can show somebody a benefit and an advantage, mm -hmm. I'm going to throw some sales at you, some sales <laughs> knowledge, then the product itself is, is easier to, to swallow. And yeah. that's what you bring as a new, a new product to, USP, to USPSA. So congratulations on your success doing that. So what else have you seen that you've made some positive changes? Stage design is another thing that's always a hot topic. Okay. And we really wanted to, Ben and I very, very carefully thought about it. And we wanted stage, stages that were very fair to everyone. Mm -hmm. So, for example, if you look, as far as the difficulty goes, there's honestly no target here that any any competitor that, you know, it's comp, they've, they've shot competition enough to understand what's expected. Right. Anyone can hit about any shot here. Yes. But when you try to do it quickly or you try to round the corner, mm -hmm. then issues happen where you drag off, you pull your vision off or yep. you didn't stop. Or I wanted to keep moving to get a faster time. Yep. So the stages themselves aren't super difficult. Right. But when you try to go quickly, things happen. That happened at Two Gun Nationals. Yeah. You may not have been there, but um, the, the way that place was set up, a lot of people were walking stages going, it's not going to be a big deal. And when they got into it, it was very technical. Yes. So that philosophy was used at Two Gun Nationals because people came in there with PCC or a pistol thinking they were just going to run through it, and their life changed. <laughs> yeah. And we, and we have some, some stages where you have to have very specific positioning. Mm -hmm. So you need to know where you need to be standing or your cue. If it's a mounted movement where you're behind the gun, mm -hmm. knowing you need to, hey, I'm going to be aiming up through this wall when I see this deal i'm going to shoot this i need to make right. a step to the left or right whatever that kind of case is right another way to test skills would be one oh right here is the rhodesian wall yes so that was another interesting thing uh, now was that wall already here or did y'all actually get post hole diggers and build that wall that got constructed okay because I, I looked at that's like four, four by four post i'm like going and there's some big you know well help me back up there's sasquatch hanging from that wall <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. And, and jared fox is you know i was waiting for that wall to even budge and it didn't move so y'all yes. went down with in cement or just basically just just dirt i think it's just in dirt okay, i believe it did not move so that was pretty impressive because i was concerned about that and if you so. look at that stage carefully and look at what it is mm -hmm. It's not, we're not trying to hit people with penalties. Right. It's not, you have to hang off the left side of your left hand or right hand, right, none of that. Mm -hmm. It's just a problem and then it's up to you to choose how you want to solve it. Yes. And then we said the shooting, the platform, the constructed wall is, and the ropes are part of the shooting area. Right. So notice some people really hang off. They'll shoot one hand on each side. Mm -hmm. Some people lean really, really far and shoot, you know, two-handed. They're shooting with their strong hand on both sides. Mm -hmm. Some people hook their foot under the wall. Yep. Some people want to hang on inside the port. Any of those are fine. It's yep. just challenging something about shooting off balance. Well, being here and being live earlier on that stage, people can go back and look at that. But I have watched every prop you have on that wall be used. Yeah. And that was, um, you know, you've got three ropes, one sh one short one in the middle, then the two long ones. I've seen the window used. I've seen the, the bottom of the wall used. I've seen both sides of the wall. So for giving people options, congratulations. I because appreciate it. For people that walked up and they're like, you know, Oh, damn it, Ben. Yes. <laughs> you know, I've, I've seen that in other matches before, but, yes. when, you know, people, but they, when they figure it out, it's like, all right, this is not going to be as fast as I thought it was going to be, but they, they, they can do it. Yes. So. And we picked different things we wanted to test on each skill, whether it's knowing uh, to time a swinger, maybe you want to, you know, time an activated target to mm -hmm. your advantage to shave time. There's targets where you can shoot on the move. Right. You know, longer targets where you have to shoot more carefully. Right. 
There's a stage where you could go prone or you go down to a knee. You can yep. kind of sit back. You could sit like flat on your butt uh, yep. and lean forward. You could, you know, there's a bunch of different options. And it's yep. just however you want to solve that problem. We're not trying to dictate how you have to do that. Did Ben bring stages in from other countries? That not he, at all. These are all uh, completely, uh, yeah, somewhat from looking at IPSC international yeah. Yeah. stages. Sure, that flavor. Okay. Absolutely. Well, did, did you have to send the stages in the Troy for approval? Mm-hmm. Yep. Nice. Did you get any pushback when when, he, when you first sent them to him? How not many, not how that many? I received or heard of. Nice. No, I think he okay. was pretty, pretty so okay. That, to be able to go through without any lot of corrections, that's huge. So congratulations on that as well. Stage one. Mm-hmm. You, you, you got in there, mm-hmm. um, shot it on RO day, and then you realized there may be an issue with a couple of targets mm-hmm. that may not be like, you can shoot it from here, but if you come back and shoot it from here, that's going to be an, an issue. Mm-hmm. Was that a big aha moment that you caught, like, and like didn't see it going to be that a problem? Or is that a problem you saw before, when the stage was built? This could be an issue. What did that look like? We have, uh, so we had probably six or eight people looking at the stage, mm-hmm. uh, very competent shooters. And it's, hey, just look at this any different way you could shoot it. If you see anything out of line, let us know. Okay. And of course, there's sometimes an issue where, nobody caught it there's a target that oh if you shot this target it's kind of uh 180 ish right. so we right. specify hey just make sure you don't shoot this target it's kind of close right or whatever um so no anything we see as a problem we absolutely tried to fix it on the spot but obviously nobody's perfect well let me tell you something about your match so far that i haven't seen and maybe uh, you can tell me more and we'll also see the results at the end of the day um i haven't seen the range master call for you know range master to, to, to base seven and usually that's the death call when they don't say what's, you know, you know, have you had any DQs? Uh, you know I believe of? we've had one DQ, I think. Okay. And, and the reason I ask that question, I haven't, you know, normally I see an RM running up and down the, the line on matches, not because of um, difficulty, but based on, I've, got to, I've been to a lot of section matches this year. Sure. Our section matches, I found out, you know, not all your grandmasters are there, and you've got a lot of people that are coming. A lot, I've talked to a lot of people. This is their first match. Sure. So that's why I asked that question. So to only have one that you know of so far, that's a, that's a huge win. So Yeah, we had a win. lot of eyes on it, and it's a group effort. I mean, it's not just like Ben and I did all this. Right. There's obviously a huge team of people that, you know, work with us in that. Well, that, that's cool. Helpful. Um, what other positive things? We've got We've got the um, new way to paste and, mm-hmm. and, and get that done. We've got stage design with options. What was another positive thing that you um, – you, you thought about trying to do differently. So obviously Ben and I traveled to a lot of matches all mm-hmm. over the country and Ben all over the world. Mm-hmm. Um, officiating is always a concern. Okay. You want people that are friendly. And I mean, you've worked retail. Not that these people are my customers and I view them like that. Yes. Uh, obviously. Yes. But you, people spend their money to travel to this match, mm-hmm. whether they took time off work, they, they bought a hotel stay, mm-hmm. they traveled, they're trusting us on some level right. to treat them with a good experience and to have fair officiating. Nice. And let me ask you this question. Mm-hmm. Based on the show that you do mm-hmm. and based on how sometimes ROs are being put in harder positions based on y'all's opinion mm-hmm. that come out, did you and Ben have a hard time finding ROs for this match? We actually had more ROs than we needed. Okay. And it might not be just just to come out and say it. There you, were know, pe- you know, I'm asking the we, question. We were been pretty hard on some ROs on your show. That's we, why I'm asking the question. We turned so. down. We just didn't reply to a lot. There were some ROs that did want to work our match that mm-hmm. said they would, mm-hmm. and we did not take up. We did not take them up on their offer. Okay, because we, you already you already full. Yep. Or being honest with you. Oh, it was people that we we didn't think would be fair to the competitors, or that might want notches their timers, or might give competitors an. Okay. Uh, so you, you an sh- issue. So we, we you, picked and choose. You picked your retail team. Yes, it might not be pop, might not be the best thing to say, but yes, we, we did pick and choose what no, ROs we got. I, I think that needs to be said, because, and we take it very seriously. You know, I've I've talked I've talked to Troy, mm-hmm. and Troy's starting to do that more as well based on feedback. So there that that process is not unheard of, and not to offend people, it's designed to um, get the best people in the right positions, and that's kind of what you know. 
Target was like. You're getting people in the yes. right positions, and you may be over here in media today, and you don't really fit there. Let's take you back to, you know, take you back to towels. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Because it's different. Uh, so I, I like that. You take so, it very seriously. So to, for me to hear that you didn't have any problem getting ROs. None at all. Was, um, was great to hear because I've, I've listened. Sometimes it's like, oh, I don't know how they're going to get ROs to work for their match. They have upset a lot of people by what they said. So in my opinion. But that's sure. one of those things that I wanted to ask the question because – I've I've actually talked to people before I was coming here, Mm -hmm. and they're like, "Oh, okay, he's he's doing a match now, and you know, I wonder if he's going to even get anybody to work for him." And for you to be able to say you had more than enough, yes, that's a huge. um, People need to hear that, so that's that's good. Yeah, and again, uh, not to talk crazy, being very selective about the people we choose because again, it's super important to me if I go to a match, Mm -hmm. and that was part of our RO meeting, our staff meeting this morning, is be nice to people. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean you let people break the rules. Or, no. or unfair calls. Competitive equity. Competitive equity. Yes, you know the term exactly. But no, be fair to everyone. Everyone gets the same call, and there's no reason to be unkind to people. Mm-hmm. Like I said, it's I guess the weather's not that that, that bad today, but right. people, it's hot outside. People spend their time, money. They train up for this. They come out. We owe it to them, in my opinion, right. to give them a good match in the best match we can. Did you do anything to surprise your staff? With? Oh, it's funny you should mention we did. Uh, they actually got paid. All the ROs got paid $100 for working today. Really? Yeah. And they didn't know that was coming. They did not know that was coming. It was just a thank you. Because, again, on the same note, they could have been at home watching TV. They could have yesterday they were out here in the heat all day shooting the matches staff. And then today they're working. So, so you're telling me you got staff. Uh-huh. You hand chose your staff, for lack uh-huh. of better words. Um, you put them on the positions. You uh-huh. tell them what to do. And all of a sudden... You and you, you and Ben drove around and gave everybody a hundred bucks. Absolutely. What was the range officers? How many aha moments did you get when their eyes get big? Because that that would that would catch me off guard. They're very happy, and they've already asked if we're willing to do the match next year. Uh, oh, and they're willing to work the match if we wanted to do it again next year. Okay. And kind of another example, you're building uh, customer loyalty. Another, you're, you're, you know, employees don't leave jobs. Yeah, they leave managers. Yeah, you're not wrong. <laughs> and so you're de- you're developing a culture, being a manager or an assistant manager in your, in your role, to make sure people want to come back. And another, so kind of a, a minor tangent. We're walking along with, hey, do you guys need anything? And one of the ROs said. If you have any chairs, it's not, it's not important, but if you have any chairs, that's why could you bring me one? I was wondering why my chairs went. <laughs> I no, stole I'm just them, kidding. sorry. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> All Ben and I did was just hop in the ATV. We went over to the vendor area. We threw yep. four four chairs in. We drove straight over there, pulled mm-hmm. them out. He's like, oh, I didn't think you'd have them here. So, yeah, no big deal. I could, it took like three minutes out of my day, mm-hmm. and it was something that made his day better. Right. I wasn't doing anything at the moment anyway. There was another squad where they hadn't had water for a while. Mm-hmm. Oh, we can remedy that. We just took a whole thing of water, put it on the back of Ben's ATV right. as he's driving by now, and we just went to that to that bay right. and handed it out to all the all the ROs. And and you got uh, uh, the the kids that are in the ATVs with water running around. Are they family members of the um staff or are they just where do you get those from? I don't know them. I think they're oh. associated with the people that own the range or maybe management at the okay. range. Okay, cool. So that was are they being um were they in some way for their time as well? Or? I believe they're being compensated also. Nice. Yes. That, that's awesome because they're, they're just high school kids. Yes. So that was cool. So, yeah. So. We just, again, want to have water for everyone and make sure you have a good time. If you need anything, if there's an, an issue, that doesn't mean you get to walk all over staff or match officials. Right. But we want them to have a good time. Right. And if it's like if they need water and I just have to go walk five minutes to go get them water. Right. Why would you not do that? Because, again, be good to the staff because they're. You know, they're spending their whole weekend out here. We couldn't do it without them here. No, it's, it's, it's a volunteer sport. Yes. So, no, yes, it is. Um, any other things that you did differently compared to other matches? We've talked about it for a while, but it, it's very in, in, interesting to me. So, if, Stage wanna, design, for sure. I know we yeah. kind of talked about that a little bit. We but, did. But notice the kind of the short, medium, and the long courses. Where I we have, have noticed that. There's a couple courses that are only, what, seven rounds, something like that. Yeah, and I got concerned on stage five on day one mm-hmm. because all of a sudden they're on their third shooter, and here comes the other shooters from the state. And I was like going, uh-oh, this might be an issue all week, but it, it wasn't. No, well, we built the matrix that way. So yeah. we knew it was going to take 45 minutes per per squad is what we allocated. Right. And it's going to take that full 45 minutes on mm-hmm. some some of the bigger stages on mm-hmm. 1 and 10. Mm-hmm. And on the shorter ones, it's obviously not going to take 45 minutes and they have time to rest. But yes. it's that's it was built in because I, I don't believe in just 
making all the stages exactly the same for the sake of match flow. Okay. We wanted to have a different challenge in all the different stages and them all to feel very different in what mm -hmm. they're testing. What was your minimum round count on the stage? I think it was at seven was the short was the shortest. Cool. The and, and your maximum? I think thirty two. So you a, did have a thirty two. Yeah. Okay. Sweet. Sweet. Um what was your and Ben's, you want to speak for that as well, because you've been riding around together taking care of the customers of mm -hmm. the um, ROs and your well, the, the employees and the customers. And what was your biggest aha moment to say that politically correct? Did you, did you have one this weekend? I don't know. Nothing too major other than honest. Like I've said, Ben and I have worked. Well, we've shot a lot of matches. I've helped yeah. with matches before. But it, until you put it one on the ground like, and until you're actually it running, is. when you're going, oh, uh oh, let me, this is a, we, what's your aha? I saw the look uh, in your eye. Yeah, tell I me, have one aha more. moment. It's definitely surrounding yourself with the right people. Okay. So we have, for instance, like the Caspers, who are the, the admin people for training group. Because training group sponsored the match. They're so fantastic. Anything we haven't thought of, they're, hey, did you think about making sure that we have whatever the you know fill in the blank oh that, that's right and so really like i said ben and i couldn't do this on our own so surrounding ourselves with the right people very competent people mm -hmm. uh tom gray's tom drazy is great for having as our range master just right. having him look at the stages what do you see what could we have done differently and really just surrounding ourselves with the right people has been huge you know what's neat to me also based on what you're saying i am i talked to some range master not range master um ro's range officers that are here and i told them i was getting ready to go you know to colorado next and they're like oh crap we're going to be down in area four you know mm -hmm. and taking some of this culture with them from here and then going to an actual area match down in oklahoma i think there may be some aha moments from ro's what do you think i hope so <laughs> again i mean it'd be no surprise be, to you. it's not negative or positive it's just an aha moment it's it'd like, be oh. no surprise to you shooting is a huge part of my life mm -hmm. um and so, so it, so let's get into that. Yeah. You know, you've been shooting, I think you said 10 years before you started taking training. Mm -hmm. Let's get back into that. Sure. When, did, when did you meet the trainer? Uh, yes, that's a good point. So I was, I was just doing my thing. I took a time off. I thought, oh, I'm going to get back into this. Mm -hmm. uh, I was checking around on YouTube and I stumbled across Ben's YouTube channel. Okay. I'm like, man, this guy's whipping on the holster, shooting real fast. This looks really neat. I want to be able to do this. And then the way Ben was able to articulate what he was doing, not some people just shoot really fast and say, do what I did. Mm -hmm. But the way Ben could explain things, make it actionable. It made it seem like a regular guy like me could be good at shooting. So, okay, okay it seems very actionable. I'll do that. Did some training. And then I had Ben out for a class at my range. It was in the, the spring of that year then. Okay. And... Obviously, I, I like Ben very much. His personality was just easy to get along with. And uh, and so I took the class, and I got a lot of takeaways. There was a lot of fundamental things. Mm -hmm. And the biggest thing was I actually didn't understand how to practice. That's what okay. really had stopped me from being better. I, I would go out, and I would do the same thing over and over again. But I didn't really know how to assess well what was happening, and I didn't know what the next step would be. Okay. So I just got very consistent at doing, you know, I, would, I called it B-class for life. Wow. Now, you made a comment about Ben being very easy to understand. Mm -hmm. I think that could be debated if you don't spend time <laughs> with him in person. So tell me more about what you mean by that, because there's some people that, you know, um, or there's, there's people with everybody. Some people, sure. People, there's personalities that some people love and some mm -hmm. people, personalities some people don't like. Um, what? drew you to that personality what was the what was the factors there because that's uh, important for people to know sure the the way he explains things ben can explain it i took this out of his book when i teach now five different ways and keep explaining things different ways until you actually get it not mm -hmm. everyone can do that mm -hmm. and it was very actionable and the way he explained the criticism and critique was very direct not ben jokes around like hey dummy why'd you do that or whatever yeah. but ben's not like beating people with sticks or making them run laps or something dumb. Oh, I was it's, so ready to see that. <laughs> it's very direct feedback, and I, that's fine. It was pretty emotionless for me. I, okay. I want to get better at shooting. What do I need to do? Hey, quit doing this. Mm -hmm. You are doing this. Make sure you actually grip the gun with your support hand. Okay? Makes sense. Okay. And uh, So, as a retail manager yourself, yeah. you understand people like to be coached sure. different ways. Sure. And so, you're coaching was direct. Mm -hmm. Don't 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 make me feel good. Yes. Correct me. I want to I want to get better. What do feedback. I need to do? Yes. Okay, cuz that's a, that's a trait that, you know, managers have to learn different 
types of how to mm-hmm. handle people and what their hot buttons are. And yours was be direct. Give it to me straight, Doc. Okay. Good. And that's important for people to understand. That's that's kind of how his training is based. I've never been to a training class mm-hmm. of his, but that's how it's based. Yes. Good deal. And I mean, Ben's not going to be unkind because you see all different skill levels. So mm-hmm. somebody's just starting out, the expectation, expectations change based on the skill level. Right. So if you have a GM guy there, you're going to be very, 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 very specific about the feedback and very critical. Mm-hmm. If you have a C or a D class person that's just getting started, it's going to be more broad topics, but you're picking the thing that would help them the most the biggest increase for that person. So Ben's, I'm not saying this because we're friends. Ben really is the best in the world at doing that, in my opinion. I want to get there because you had him over for a training class. Mm -hmm. And now, for lack of better words, you're business partners. (laughs) Sure. How did you, did you just follow him around like a, like, like, just I'm gonna be cute about it, like sure. a, like a puppy until he, you know, until you realize that you're gonna be this, or y'all hit it right off in the beginning. What? How do you become friends with a world champion pro shooter <laughs> and show that friendship as a true friendship and not a take only friendship? And you know what I'm talking about? I do because there's you know there's different people, and that's I love people. That's why you know sure there'll be different there'll be different personalities like that, but. For you to get into the life mm-hmm. of a you know world champion wannabe at that time, and then become hits, watch him achieve his goals that he wanted to do. Mm-hmm. How did you get into that life? What made you you know build the trust and understand that? Tell me the story about how sure. that what that looked like. Yeah. Uh, well, I'd have been out for my probably seven years or so now in a row, or maybe six, something like that. Every year I just have him out for classes. Oh, so you had him out every year. Yep. Okay. And Consistency. So it was probably, yep. And then probably the third year or so, I think when he came out for classes, um, we, we, he ended up, he didn't have a place to stay. I'm like, well, just stay at my house. I single guy. I've got an extra bedroom. Just stay at my place. It's been like, no, I, it's okay. I'm like, no, it's fine. I got it. Like, just, it'll be fine. Right. And so it's kind of like, I suppose it was like a first date, but I just, in my mind, I was just like, well, it's no reason to pay a hundred bucks for a hotel room. I have, you'll have your own bathroom, your own bedroom. Right. I won't bother you. Just, you don't need to spend money on a hotel. Right. Well, then of course we end up hanging out and chit chatting more and he liked the same video games I liked. And so it sounds very cheesy, No, but we just, I, I love the love story. No, no, I'm just <laughs> continue. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, we, uh, you know, we just liked the same, like the same video games. So we yeah. had, I enjoyed just hanging out with him and then, you know, we'd message more and more. And then at, at one point, uh, I was already doing a, I did a podcast with my friend Cody shoot fast podcast. Yes. So we did that for a while and then I was still on that and I'd sent Ben a listener question that I wanted him to do on his podcast. And he messaged me. He said, hey, would you like to just come on my podcast, too? I was like, yeah, I'd love to, of course. Wow. And so okay. I was like, I was flattered. And uh, then so over the years, we've just talked more and more. We end up hanging out more and training more. It, it sounds very cheesy. Ben no, really- I get that. And the funny thing is that if we had, if we had a gentleman standing in the middle mm-hmm. and we go back to looking over my right shoulder, there's the devil. <laughs> Left shoulder, there's an angel. <laughs> I see Ben Stager and, and, and Joe Park <laughs> as, as how much y'all are, you know, fit together in a way of being opposites to be able to have that communication. In some ways we are opposites. And, and, and there's nothing wrong with that because that, that's, that's good. It's just been a lot of fun. Uh, well, there's no doubt in my mind he's challenged you. And there's no doubt in my mind you have challenged him based on having the opposite thoughts and demeanors about how you, you carry yourself. Because, That's very fair. And I, that, that, and I, I, I read people and listen to your, your show all the time. And it's one, cause I want the other, I want the other opinion. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those things that, um, that makes sense to me that you built a relationship. So, Oh, and if I could briefly just no, add, please. Well, it, I mean, it's so again, it just kept more and more. And also I should add Ben, obviously, like I said, is fantastic at teaching yes. uh, and training. So I've learned so much from also on that, but it's, it's been awesome just being friends. And again, it sounds super cheesy. He really is one of my very closest friends. I talk to him almost every single day on the phone. Right. So, um, yes, it's just, it's been a lot of fun. And as he's continued to train, he's helped me with that. And then that kind of groomed into, I suppose, a business partnership, but I don't really see it like that way. If that mm. makes sense. Like I, I understand. Yeah. We, looking in, it we, looks like we that. do business together, but, that. but that's cool. That, are you, so you do trainings without Ben? Yes. Okay. Yep. Cool. I do training also. We've done classes together and then mm-hmm. we both do practical shooting training group with along with Quanchik Kim. Yep. Um the you did a book together. Mm-hmm. And when that first came out, I was like, Oh, wow, this is interesting because mm-hmm. I didn't nobody saw it coming, I don't think. We talked about a little bit you were working on stuff together, but uh-huh. when it popped out, it was almost like this is 
y'all's creation together. Mm-hmm. How'd that make you feel? It was awesome. Nice. Uh, well, we, Match Mentality was the first book, and Ben, there was stuff that Ben, again, when we were just, you know, as we became friends and talked more and more, mm-hmm. I can think of one time we talked, it was like three hours. He was in Florida doing classes, and he was driving between ranges or something. Mm-hmm. It was like a three-hour phone call about, hey, I uh, feel... I feel, I've had those phone calls I feel, all over the United States. I feel pressure at the match. I feel like I could vomit. You know what I mean? It's like, mm-hmm. all these types, I feel like I need to have a perfect match. When I don't have a perfect match, I push. All these kind of things. And Ben's explaining all these things are normal, and he's helping me come up with you know, ways to deal with this kind of pressure, anxiety that can happen at matches, okay. way to perform better, even technique things. And so right. then at some point we kind of, you know, went, I went through all the stuff. It's like, hey, I want to write a, Ben normally writes a book every year. Hey, would you like to write a book with me? I'm like, okay, sounds cool. So he went from your um, shooting therapist. <laughs> <laughs> yes. To doing a book together. Yeah. And now you have, um, the uh, is the practical, practical shooting training is the one we did last year. Okay. The, practical group training website mm-hmm. yes and 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 um self coaching and, mm-hmm. and and self-evaluation that y'all do in in, in mr kim's with y'all as well mm-hmm. is this a three-way partnership mm-hmm. kind of thing yes uh, i have a podcast i do for it also it's kind of my main chunk i do that's right because yep. i i listen on the road and i'm like going Dang it, I haven't subscribed to that yet. The rest. <laughs> so that's pretty good. No, I appreciate it. We'll just give you a membership if you'd like one. <laughs> no, yeah. no, 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 no. Uh, yeah, Training Group Live is that, which is fun. And yeah. then they do the, the the digital coaching part of it. So we have different tiers. Okay. And then when one of the guys are traveling, or Ben uh, recently was in Poland for, I don't know, a week and a half, something yeah. like that, training matches. So on the days he's jammed up, we're going to be traveling. I'll just cover for him. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, yeah, I help. I help with the coaching. So also. it's a true partnership with the money mm-hmm. on that on that level as well. Mm-hmm. If you don't mind me getting detailed, yeah, sweet. Now that that's why I asked that question because that's you know when an individual works by himself for so long, and including yourself, when you did stuff by yourself, and you you bring two even three individuals together, there can be advantages since you're opposites, and there can be disadvantages because you're opposites. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so did you have any? Um, work through issues when this got started that you could you can share i honestly can't even think of any okay. ben, ben's very easy to go along with the right. other part that i like is it's very logical right so and you mentioned talking ben off the ledge sometimes ben will be like i'm gonna do this and ben's been very gracious to me in the fact that he'll run past stuff past me uh, okay you know and i'll be like i don't think that's a good idea and this is why you're like oh okay that, yeah that makes sense well that's just before we have a conversation <laughs> i've heard you've had that conversation yeah. before in a podcast well no no we're not we're not pushing records yet yeah <laughs> yes or sometimes i'll be texting him during the podcast Nice. I'll be like, hey, that's enough. Time to move on. Nice. Where did the professor fit in in all this? Uh, Mr. Kim, the professor. Ben would be better at giving you that story. But I know, I know, uh, yeah, Juanchik had taken classes from Ben for a while. Okay. And they had, I think those two became friends before I knew. Mm -hmm. So I'd I'd followed Kim for a long time. It's Thumbless Korean is his YouTube channel. Okay. I followed him a long time ago when he very first was starting. Right. But yes, he ended up uh, through training, uh, Ben going to do classes with him. They developed a, a friendship and a partnership also. Did you feel any kind of intimidation of another partner coming in of something that you helped create with Ben? Did that make you anxious? No, not at all. Nice. Um, I, I was just, honestly, it's, it still doesn't seem like it's again, I'm saying all this stuff that sounds really cheesy. It still doesn't seem like real life sometimes. Okay. Uh, no, to have, yeah, Ben is probably one of the best in the world at shooting handguns, but he's still my friend that I like just playing video games with until or like we're working on Halo right now. There's a they <laughs> they developed a collection of all the all the Halo games. We're working through those on PC. Really? And so yeah, like there's still this. Yeah, he's a world champion. But we'll work on just <laughs> playing video games until eleven, you know, or midnight, whatever. Nice. So, what do you do besides shooting? Uh, I work at a credit union. Oh, okay. So it's IT is the easiest way to describe it. Okay. I'm in charge of one, like the online banking, bill pay, all the ATMs. So kind of uh, definitely not related to shooting at all. Very cool. I, I can relate with what you do because my dad, when he started, he used to work for Bur- Burroughs Corporation. Okay. And helped put in one of the first ATMs in, in, in the city of Tuscaloosa. Back Very in, cool. Back in the day, back in the early, late 70s sometime. I remember him talking about it when it was Pat. That was a long time ago going back to ATM machines. But that's cool. So you have a full-time job and yep. everything else. And that's cool. What's next for you and the business? What's next that you can talk about? Is there is there other already other books being talked about? Is there a video yeah. series coming out? Where where are we, where are we at? Well, training group will continue to expand. Uh, okay. It's been it's that's been quite a subscription excellent. Service, I can, I yes, can, that's always anytime you get residuals, <laughs> that 
can pay for shooting and also help people, but to keep them involved like that, because we talked, me and Ben talked about that, about how that's working. So I don't want to go into that. Sure. That's so cool. Yeah. So cool. It's been exciting. Uh, Ben and I are working on it along with Matt Branca, a carbine book will be coming out uh, this fall-ish or over winter, sometime like that. For PCC. No, well, for PCC, I suppose, but for a uh, proper proper carbine, 5.56 five, also. Okay. But yes, I suppose you could equate that to PCC also. You said no, kind of interesting. <laughs> How do you feel about PCC? Uh, in, well, in, 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 the, in the United States Practical Shooting Association. The only problem I have is when we have to change the stages based on the PCC. I, I like, again, it's uh, anybody come out shooting, I like all that stuff. Right. For instance... Uh, minor tangent if they're like rimfire okay i love rimfire i've yep. got rimfire got love it but if they brought into uspsa and power factor had to go away yep. now we have a problem yep so pcc i don't as far as i think pcc is cool and it should be its own game if, it, if i was king for a day yeah because you made a comment that you have to change the stages for pcc mm-hmm. that that's a have to yeah why well because of the way the rules are written and we can't we can't uh. stipulate them to hold their the rifle Okay. With one hand, they have to be able to have both hands on the gun. Okay. So yes, the stages have to be PCC compliant. Okay. That, and I, I was I was aware of that, but not in that detail. And so. again, if they're coming to the match, we have to give them a quality match. Also, and be like, well, these are these are for pistol yeah. pistol shooters. I'm very sorry you brought your PCC. You're yeah, probably I, not going to have as good of a time. Well, I've heard people across the you know at, at Bay Six say, Ah, oh, Ben just made this stage to give PCCs a hard time. And no, that, was, that wasn't the case. Not at all. Honestly. I, we had to dumb it down a little bit to make it compliant for PCC shooters. Right. And we made sure that it was fair for any division. That's so cool. And the so written cool. stage briefing had to reflect that also. Well, that's that is, that's pretty but cool. I do wish PCC was its own sport. I think that would be great because you could actually test those guns and shoot them out at longer distances. Because mm-hmm. I, would, I wouldn't want to shoot a handgun 60 yards. Right. But a PCC, that would make sense for those guns. And by the, by the time this podcast released, there's going to be, I think, a lot of changes have happened. In the USPSA with things, how they're moving in a different direction and moving forward, in my views. Are, are you excited about where you see the USPSA going to a certain level? Absolutely. Nice. And I, I'm all in for USPSA. Obviously, okay. again, it'd be no secret. Okay. So, yes, I'm all in for USPSA. And I do think, uh, I think things will be moving in a positive direction. And you made the comment earlier, King, for a day and, and, and for, 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 um, for um, PCC. What... Besides PCC, if you were, you know, king for a day and a half, what, <laughs> what would you do differently or hope that you see changes in the future happen? Um, popper calibration is always an issue. That's always yeah. a hot topic. It has been. Uh, I would probably doing away with big poppers would be one of the fixes for that because we would just have small poppers. So that would be your fix. Just do away with them. It'd be one. It'd be a way of doing it. Because the, the way it would, do it would be like if they shoot the popper and it hits in the center, you go calibrate it. Mm-hmm. But then you, how do you, how is it actually the center? What if it's close to the edge? How do you know it was a full diameter? It gets very tough to do. It does. How do you feel about, you know, you affect people's businesses that make those? That's true. So, but what maybe we like? would, maybe we would make more money for them because we had to throw all of our big poppers and we had to buy more small poppers to replace the big poppers we pitched. Okay. Maybe they'd give me a spiff on that. What do you think? I, I, I think that could be an option. I like the word spiff because I haven't heard that since I was in retail myself. That is a retail term. <laughs> the only reason we sold certain items because it had a spiff on it. Yes. <laughs> so I get it. But, you know, what about the, you know, if that was a decision that was made, what about the USPSA being able to help clubs? Because the clubs got to buy the new poppers. Sure. You think there could be a way that clubs help, you know, USPA helps pay for that and reimburse on some of that stuff? I think that'd be a fantastic idea. I'd like to see Just, more support for, it always sounds like an easy pipe dream. Say like, oh, I'd like to support clubs better. Yeah. And that, you know, we, we, I heard that talked about, you know, recently, and it's just one of those things. There's so many variables. There's so many, what is fair and what's not fair and what some club, there's different per, clubs are like individuals. Mm-hmm. There's personalities at this club. Absolutely. You, you drive 30 minutes and there's a whole different personality at another club. Absolutely. So are you going to make everybody happy? You can. The answer is no. Uh, I do think if I had a, another pipe dream idea would be making a video, an extensive list of video library of helpful things. Mm-hmm. So like how to, how to RO and not be a turd to your competitors, you mm-hmm. know, kind of set higher expectations, so to speak. Yeah. For how you expect competitors to be treated. Another wow. thing would be stage design. 
So, hey, you're, so you're saying that? You're, no, you're not, I'm not. I'm, I'm interrupting on purpose. So you're saying basically you got to go write some retail, you know, standard operation procedures on care. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> you know, for sure, and best and best practices that yeah. maybe come from training that's, and experience. That's an old target expression when <laughs> yes. I say care. Yes, because <laughs> it's all about the customer experience. Yeah, how you do that. Another hot topic, I think, is uh, when you go to a stage. If you could shoot, I I don't know. 15 shots or 20 shots in some stages from one position. That's not really interesting. Right. Uh, I, 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 I shoot low cap. Obviously I shoot production mm -hmm. is my favorite division. Okay. And I would like to see stages where it forces dynamic movement to move around a stage in stages that don't allow you to just post up and shoot 20 shots or 15 shots because the argument to that would be, well, we are giving them options because you didn't have to shoot all 15 from here. Right. You could shoot five from here and five from here and five. It's like, yeah, but it's like a little questionnaire. It's like, do you want to win? Yes right. or no. And if you do on some of those stages, the game plan is you run to the spot where you can see the most targets mm -hmm. and you just shoot the targets and do standing reloads. Well, and that's not dynamic or fun. And this is why I love having conversation with people because you brought up another topic that I'm going to run a little bit long on today. Yeah. You just said production's your favorite mm -hmm. division. There's people out there that want to change production and, and do away production, not do away with it, but it basically essentially do away with it if they made those changes. Mm -hmm. What are your feelings about production? I, I liked production better when it was just production, when you couldn't use every different hammer, slide lightning, aftermarket barrels. Mm -hmm. You could, I mean, it's kind of like limited light. As long as it's double action limited gun, you're pretty much good to go, I think, at this point. Um, I liked having the guns pretty much stock, and I, that was what originally what I started shooting mm -hmm. because I had my Ruger P95 again to go back to the beginning of this. There was mm -hmm. a $300 handgun, and that was for production division. Right. It was it, maybe it wasn't the most competitive, but it was right. it was a gun I could go compete with. It was off the shelf factory mm -hmm. ammunition. I'm not going to reload ammunition at 19 years old. Okay. So it was a very easy easy entry, and I think minor power factor in 10 round makes it one of the most difficult divisions. Okay. which I think hits on the core of why a lot of people have moved away to major power factor and, you know, red dots on carry optic guns, because it is easier. Mm -hmm. The magazines hold way more ammunition. It's got a red dot on it. Because mm -hmm. there's people that are saying we should dump, you know, produ you know production, <clears throat> revolver, and all this stuff in the same category. Mm -hmm. And because they bring, they bring more people in to make that category, instead of having eight people in that division, you know, a lot more people. How do you feel about that? Yeah, and everybody always likes to have the conversation, oh, we should smoke revolver and limited 10. It's like, well, I mean, being straight with you, we've got a lot bigger operational problems going on yeah. and things I think to fix, like making the stages good and, you know, like having fair officiating and the scores being right, then really getting too far worried about even leaving production alone like not right. some people talk about production 15 right that's not really a super big topic that i'm even worried about right now it's okay. really the organizational changes well i was at icor nationals um last week there's 120 plus shooters there shooting revolver and some of them were at low cap nationals and some of them don't want to ever shoot uspsa again based on how they feel they're treated so that's a, there's a lot of shooters out there shooting revolver and we we i i feel We've got to bring the United States Practical Shooting Association back together as one to encompass the shooting sports. It's my feelings about it. I think that's totally fair. But, you know, we how do we do that with so many people that are, you know, I, I'm not looking for an answer because we can't solve the you sure. know, their problems right now. But, you know, for people to think about how do we do that without, you know, upsetting the other people, because everybody thinks this is once they get in this division, this is my division. This should be only division. It's, they don't really feel that way. Some people a, do, but, it, but it's a mental game. At Absolutely, that, point, that they don't. Uh, and then I'm over here, and all of a sudden, you know, you know, you hear, you know, ah, you know, this division. But you know, I hear everything when I travel, which is one reason why I'm doing what I'm doing. But do you see it that ever getting better? I hope so. Okay, you have to hope. Uh, yeah. Again, I think but the hope doesn't happen without action. This is true. And and, you know, and it does all come down from the top. When, when my son at 19 tells me about hope something, I, I, <laughs> I, I tear into him. I said, don't hope anything. You find a way to make it happen. And that's, you know, he's like, oh, okay. <laughs> so I've changed his mentality to say hope differently because hope is just like what you said. We're going to hope for it, but we're not willing to do anything to change it. I'm sorry to put that right on the spot for you. But <laughs> no, no, not at it's all. One of those things that you know we got to have actions, and just like we talked about earlier, with actions you put in place here to make it where you don't have a bunch of people coming into paste and reset like they're doing in other countries, but you made it different. Big word, different to have an action plan because you know we can always say we hope that we don't have to paste it anymore, and that's not feasible in all areas, but we can change it. 
to make it where an action where people aren't having to do it as much and have the time to relax and enjoy their day to be able to shoot a, a, a USPSA match. So what, what did we leave off, Joel? I mean, we've talked about a lot. Thanks for going down some no, appreciate rabbit it. holes with me. I didn't even know I was going no, down. I, I learned a lot about you. So I apologize for my tangents. Uh, no, no, I don't, I don't know what else I guess we didn't talk about. Okay. Are you, are you doing the Wisconsin section championship next year? Uh, Maybe likely. I need to find out when all the matches are. I'm still okay. waiting on nationals at the time of this recording anyway. Yes. So uh, hopefully I'm hoping national like production nationals will go back to being in the, mm-hmm. the tail end of the year. Mm-hmm. And then obviously I will. I haven't even booked a lot of classes or stuff until I find out a lot of commitments right. until I know when nationals will be. So, it, so it's not matches. off the table for you and Ben to do it again then? This match? No, yes. not at all. Oh, awesome. sorry. I didn't understand your question. No. no. Uh, yeah. Is that, good. Good. I didn't know if you were one and done. No, not at all. Okay. Good deal. Good I apologize. Stuff. I didn't realize your question. No, yeah, uh, we're, no we're already considering it, doing it again, or, you know, depending on how things work out. Nice. Very cool. Um, anything else that we you want to you bring up or you, you feel pretty comfortable? No, oh, this was great. I appreciate you having Man, me. Not that I can think of. You're so welcome. And if you have any questions, of course, what, what social media or emails you want to give out there where people get in touch with you? If they have any questions that sparked based on our conversation today? Sure. Uh, no, you can message me on social media. It's fine. Okay. I think I'm easy to find just Joel Park on Facebook or Instagram. Nice. Well, good deal. Well, if you have any questions and um, you reach out to Joel and you don't answer you, hey, hit me up at info at huntershdgold.com. I'll get in touch with him as well. But I have a feeling that Joel is going to respond to you as long as the question is educated and makes sense to be responded to because I'm sure you get a lot of stuff all the time. That is very fair. That, that yes. is not like even worth responding to because, I mean, it happens in all the industries that we're in. But all kidding aside, thank you, Joel. Thank, thank you, you for having me. I really appreciate it. Today. No, and thank get you for back out there. I've saw Ben run by three or four times without you, and I'm hoping that he's not running circles, but I think he's got it under control. I think he has it well <laughs> under control. Yes, he does. Well, thanks again for listening. This has been Brian Conley for Hunters HD Gold Behind the Lens, and until next time, we'll see you at the range soon. <laughs>